Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. How's it going with you? You all right? What's happening? You freaking out? I'm not freaking out today. I'm happy to be back home. Tom Papa is on the show today. Tom is a, a comedian I've known for a long time. Started a few years after me, but I've known him forever. We've never sat down and talked in here. I've had... Uh, you know, kind of, I projected a lot of stuff onto Tom in the past. I just never could get a handle on where the fuck he was coming from. And I kind of need a handle on where the fuck you're coming from if I'm going to engage with you more than a few times. So I decided a few things about him that weren't true. And I was kind of uh, an asshole to him a few times. But uh, he's one of those guys that just kind of knew who I was and knew the kind of person I was. And it didn't really affect him that deeply. It kind of rolled off him. There are people that have dealt with me over the years that... They see me coming, they're like, all right, you know, gird her up. You're going to have to deal with this guy, this this guy whose brain is on fire and he's got to say something horrible to me in a few minutes. But uh, it didn't really have an effect on him, and I was happy to get to know him and make a mild amends in a couple places. But he's a great guy, great comic, and we had a nice conversation. You'll hear that momentarily. Thank you all for some of the nice emails about the Neil Brennan episode. We got down to psychological, spiritual, and emotional brass tacks. Kind of hashed it out. Sometimes that's good. It was very focused. It had an agenda in a lot of ways. And I, and I think uh, we covered a lot of turf, a lot of ground, a lot of, uh, a lot of the inner landscape. And I uh, got a couple emails from people who were like, man, I never thought about that. And uh, you just shook something loose forever. One guy wrote an email. Where the hell is that? Subject line, Neil Brennan, that's all. Mark, your interview with Neil was beautiful. Great job. It never occurred to me that my parents never really had the capacity to love or be loved. You guys answered a lot of questions that have had me puzzled for decades. My sincere thanks, John. Decades. It's interesting when something shakes loose like that, when the lens just shifts, when just one little thing is thrown into the head and everything changes about how you saw who you were or how you came to where you are. It's a, it's a very thrilling thing when it sticks, you know what I mean? Unfortunately, <laughs> having the brain open to that kind of thing, a, a lot of things could be thrown in there that stick that are just fucking terrible and make you do terrible things and, you know, perceive reality as something completely other than what it is and uh, take action in relation to that delusion. So be, be wary of those. But if something just shakes something loose and makes things a little easier for you to understand for yourself... 
and uh, your heart, well, good, great, glad to help out. So I'm back in the garage, the new garage, and I got to tell you, folks, those of you who are concerned, this place is going to be great. I don't even know why, really. I, I mean, it's a different space. Uh, it's filled differently. It's shaped differently. Had some sound issues that are, you know, working themselves out. But it, yeah, again, it's a podcast. I don't need a, a soundproof room. But there's something about this space that's different than the other space. The other space, as great it w- as it was, it was cozy. It uh, absorbed sound nicely. It was cluttered uh, on the floor, on the walls, the ceiling. It was smaller. Uh, but it was there was a lot going on. But there's... Uh, there's something that's happening here. There's a focus that's happening in here. The, the vibe is, you know, we're here to do this. We're here to talk. We're here to, you know, to, to have this experience where we talk to each other. There's not a lot of distractions. There's not a lot of chaos on the margins. And there's just something about the way I'm focusing in here and, uh, and the way the guest is, is, is sort of focusing where the conversations are longer and they seem like they could go on even longer than they, they have been. I'm doing long talks in here. I, I don't know if it's something more relaxing here or there's something more grounded about this space. I mean, the old space was just a, a history of me and my chaos and things I was holding on to. This is maybe just an evolution or maybe it just feels a little more grounded in here and I'm fucking digging it. So I'm back. I'm back from Birmingham. And I think I can tell you uh, what was happening if you didn't assume or, or figure it out. Uh, I was shooting a little movie. We shot it out in like two weeks. Lynn Shelton directed. She wrote it with Mike O'Brien. Funny guy, but it's sort of a different type of movie for Lynn. Certainly a different type of movie for me. Uh, it was an odd story that required the South as a backdrop. Uh, there was a, a lot of interesting characters. It was a completely improvised movie uh, that featured me, uh, Michaela Watkins, Jillian Bell, John Bass. Um, Toby Huss came down and shot a bit. Tim Paul. Uh, Whit Thomas, a comedian that uh, I hadn't I, I'd met but didn't remember, and uh, Dan Bachdahl. Is that how you pronounce his last name? Bachdahl, I think. From you might know him from Veep. Very funny guy. It was just sort of like this kind of insane, improvisational kind of a. It's kind of a comedy, but it's kind of rings a little true. I mean, it's an odd little film, and it was it was shot with a lot of sweat, a lot of sweat and angst. Not too much angst, but I get uncomfortable in humidity. And when you got to shoot a, a scene in the uh, in the back of a truck uh, for twelve hours in a, a marginally air conditioned space, uh, and you just you feel you're just kind of coated with a glaze of fucking damp sweat the whole time. It, it's a uh, you know okay, granted, all right. It's not the Revenant. You know, I'm not you know I'm not in the Arctic or in the wilderness. I'm not eating raw liver. Uh, to make sure there's authenticity to the part, but it's a little uncomfortable. But all in all, it was a pretty great time and a pretty interesting movie, and I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing what Lynn cobbles together out of the footage we shot, man. I mean, fuck. A lot of stuff going on. And when he improvised a movie, it was pretty It was pretty awesome. It's a lot different than, okay, where do I stand and say my line and get behind that line? It's sort of like, you got to be all in for this shit. And I was working with geniuses fucking comedy geniuses the lot of them every one of them dan jillian john tim toby wit michaela who i've worked with before fucking genius but it's a good experience and now uh now that i'm back and i'm sort of still 
working on my new house and I've decided to do a sugar detox because I'm carrying a lot of the South with me right now, uh, just above my pants, just above the belt line. I feel a little bit of the South uh, hanging over, just a bit of the South on the sides uh, spilling over my belt line a bit. And not that I don't love the South. My love for the South doesn't need to be expressed through love handles. You dig, man? All right? We on the same page. Also, I don't want to neglect or forget to uh, give a shout out to the entire crew of uh, Sword of Trust. Did I even mention the name of the movie? That's the name of the movie. Sword of Trust and everybody who worked on it uh, from top to bottom was just a, a pleasure. And I realized, man, you know, you got if you like doing something, a lot of times, maybe this is just me, when you do it for work, you may forget that you like it, even though you like it, and that's why you do the work. So try to remember when you're doing something you like, to continue liking it if you're fortunate enough to do something you like for a living. Does that make sense? When things become a job, you risk the possibility that you will not like it anymore because it's a job. But try to remember that you liked doing the job and it's what you do. Or else you get into a fucking dark hole. Or else you're just a complaining asshole. Or else you're just someone who's incapable of having a good time. A, B, or C, uh, all of the above. You know what I'm saying. So here's the other thing I wanted to tell you because I, I don't know. I don't know that it's important, but uh, I've uh, I've become I've become obsessed. You know when you have an album for years, you know an album, or it's just there, and you you know you, 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 you everyone amasses so much music. You forget to focus in on everything because you got thousands of things. Uh, but I, I was on the plane and I wanted to have stuff on my phone. I was just picking things at random and I'd pick Planet Waves by Bob Dylan, a record that I haven't paid uh, enough attention to or, or much attention to in years, even if I processed it then. I don't know that I really did. Whatever the case, my point is, is out of nowhere, you know, after years, you know, that's just become my favorite Bob Dylan record. And I don't know, I don't know, it's not even a matter of missing it. It's just a matter of sometimes, and I've said this before, you have artists that their their stuff just grows with you or it sneaks up on you or takes on a different meaning. As you get older, it just it morphs along with you. It, it sort of shapeshifts or it evolves or it becomes something different for you as you become older or evolve or regress or whatever when, when music isn't limited to nostalgia and you give it some space uh, again you kind of you can be blown away and i'm I've, I've gotten obsessed with planet waves to the point where i'm amassing copies of the vinyl i went out and bought two yesterday i'm going to go pick another one up today and i'll probably get as many as i can then it's not an expensive record people don't seem to give a fuck about the record i bought a sealed uh copy of it from 74 and it was ten dollars but this is a, an album that he made around 73, 74, I think, with the band. I didn't realize that Dylan had only done two records with the band and a live one and The Last Waltz. And fucking miraculous record. This space that that band finds amongst each other to, to just fill together in some sort of strange, unified beauty that it doesn't, it just doesn't happen that often. And and Dylan, right at that moment, it was just complete symbiosis of of perfectly 
American music, and it was just I, I I don't know, man. I can't I can't stop listening to fucking Planet Waves by Bob Dylan. Maybe you should give it a try. Maybe you'll get excited too. But just listen to that band and listen to where they're at and listen to fucking Levon and Rick and Richard and Robbie and Garth and just, I mean, wow. Danko and Helm, man. That fucking rhythm section. God damn it. Anyway, that's what's going on with me. Anyway, Tom Papa. His new book, Your Dad Stole My Rake and Other Family Dilemmas, is now available for pre-order. It comes out June 5th. Had a lovely talk here in the new garage with Tom. And this is, this is. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. Zit. We didn't start out together. You, you started later than me, right? I started in 93. Right, later, right. Yeah. Because I remember, like, I remember seeing you, I remember for some reason, I don't, I didn't know what to make of you. (laughs) I know you didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Is that that true? You mean you could feel that? Yeah, 100%. What do you think it was? Well, nobody, I don't think anybody that did stand up in the beginning in New York didn't have a uh, Mark Maron litmus test. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but, I, I, you, you know, you run into people. And yeah. There's some people you run into and you're like, well, that, well, that guy sizing me up. Well, well, he's sizing me up and he's not telling me what he thinks. You, I, know. I, you just appeared out of nowhere. You looked kind of you know, conservative-ish <laughs> or something. Uh, you know, you were, yeah, pretty- I can't remember how you struck me. Like, you, I, I, didn't know, I didn't know what to make of you. <laughs> and I just remember, you, you know, I think you were a little heavier. A little, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and you... You kind of hung around, and I remember seeing you at Caroline's, and then, I, you know, I, I remember, <laughs> I just didn't, I don't know why I never could figure out, like, what you, who you were. Yeah. That's the thing, it's sort of like, <laughs> I don't know if you were playing your cards close to your chest, or maybe you're you're just uh, that guy. Yeah. As time goes on, I realize you're kind of that guy. It's interesting, because uh, I w- literally would think that about you. <laughs> I literally, I'm honest, I, I would think, he doesn't know who I am. Did that affect you in any way? Like maybe I should uh, do. I mean, I, so I, yeah, I, car- I carried you around a little bit, not too much though, because you seemed so uh, balled up with yourself. Yeah, well, that was that, a- that it wasn't like I never like I knew maybe I wasn't cool enough in your eyes, yeah. or maybe there was like who, who is this guy yeah. kind of a vibe. But I didn't 
carry you like the yeah. weight of you yeah. around like some other people yeah i don't know yeah i guess some people did i you know it turns out that i was just an aggravated self-involved person what are you looking surprised about? yeah <laughs> because you were you were you know you would you would take shots once in a while for sure <laughs> at other guys I, to- I told you no like just interacting with you it'd be like you know Oh it's, yeah! Oh yeah! What did you tell me? I can't. It's remember. like hanging out with like a like a like a a pet that you don't really yeah, yeah, know. Yeah, like this and one's like, a little wild. You're like, oh, this is cool. He's he, he's letting me scratch behind his ears. <laughs> he just bit my finger. Why did he do that? And then he's gotten out the back door. <laughs> what is, what was the story you told me? I remember one, it's, it's not a good time, one. It's not a great story. <laughs> yeah. I know it doesn't make me look good. That doesn't make either of us look that yeah. great. No, we were fine. Yeah. But it was uh, it was just one of those moments. I got a uh, early. TV oh, yeah. pilot, yeah, on uh, it's one of these stories on NBC, <laughs> and uh, it was very, very early, yeah. And I ran into you out here. It was the first time, yeah. We were at the uh, in the hallway of the, the uh, improv, improv. Oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you were, I came off stage, and you were the only one in the hallway, and you said something like, uh, "So what's so what's what's this? What's what's going on?" And I said, "You know, doing this pilot, doing this TV show." Oh. I said, "Why does that bother you?" You said, "No, I mean it, it makes sense that you're doing it. I just, I just don't think you deserve it." <laughs> and I was, but it made me laugh. It, you made me laugh the way Kevin Brennan would make me laugh. Right, right. Like some people would be like, "F that guy." What? what? Right. I always took it as it was. Yeah, just it, you. But I, I kind of remember that, and I remember like because that that's a. a a kind of interesting part of who I was then was that there were there were certain moments where I would choose to say something awful. Yeah, I mean, there's no way to interpret that as like it's not a coded thing. You're not no. like, what does that mean? You're just, <laughs> no subtlety. No, no subtlety at all. No. But I, I clearly meant to yeah. you know just be like, fuck you, <laughs> right? Exactly. You know, like yeah. right to your face. Yeah, I don't have it for no reason. You've got a nibble. I haven't gotten a nibble. Right. Screw you! But like I, it was but, it was it was a buildup of of this sort of like not being able to get a handle on on your personality or understand you know like yeah. you know you were one of those guys in my mind. It's like how, what is he doing? This, this, this <laughs> like how it is? How do people get a sense of that guy? Yeah. You know, and I don't even know if I really was paying attention to your act at that time. You right. know, and it wasn't until not too long ago yeah. that I just started paying attention to this sort of long form kind of accessible, uh-huh. but, but, you know, very well crafted shit you were doing, right. you know, and I don't know if you were doing that at the beginning. I can't remember. No, there was just always something <laughs> I took your personality at that time, which is not that different than it is now yeah. as, as sort of like glib and artificial. Right. And, and, and I don't, you know, just kind of like, hi, how's everyone doing? I'm like, what the fuck is he doing? You know, like, <laughs> But, Why is he being so friendly? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's genuinely yeah. who you are. Yeah. And it, it, it took till like, you know, last year for me to realize it. <laughs> yeah. Well, in the beginning, it's just, you know, there was no, there was no craft. I mean, you know, I think. No, I, I, I think Attell, I think Attell said to me early on, like, yeah, eight, eight years. Like he put eight years in my head that that's when you really start to kind of figure it out. Well, that's what I remembered about you is that you were one of those guys. And, you know, in Geraldo, too, I think, you guys must have started at the same time-ish. Exactly the same time. Right. Well, he started, like, a little before. My first time on stage was me and him in a bringer show at the New York Comedy Club. No kidding. Upstairs from that cowboy bar at the, at the time. And it was June 12th, 1993. Hold on. Wait. It was like a Western bar downstairs. Which New York comedy club was that? It was upstairs. Holy fuck. I yeah. don't even know if I remember that one. A small spot. I brought five friends and they were there was probably seven people in the audience. And uh, 
a very well, including your seven, including my five, your five. Yeah. So five of the seven were yours. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it's at like five in the afternoon, like in June. <laughs> yeah. You know, so yeah. it's like it's light it's out. It's horrible. And, uh, People are sweating. I had to leave New Jersey at three, and uh, I walk in, and there is a very uh, extremely nervous, clean shaven, uh, sweaty Greg Giraldo. Yeah. Hey man, what's going on? Yeah, you're you so nice. You do it. Yeah, and uh, I did my first spot, and then Greg and I just that was it. We were like uh, like brothers. He was just That's so what, great. Yeah, kind of connect you two. He yeah. was he was you know, a little pudgier then. He was. He was a little <laughs> yeah. doughier. And I would do shows with him in uh, in Gaffigan. That was kind of the. He started the same time you two. Yeah, I think him and Greg were had started just like six months before I did, and then I. What year is I, this? 1993. Really? June 12th, 1993. Right. So you got you guys came in. That's right. I remember when did Gaffigan, you start? Gaffigan it seemed more albino-ish then. Yes. Didn't he? Yes, completely. Like he was almost freakish. And you're he like, was, you, was, you, you <laughs> I think it was because of the glasses. Yeah. Because he doesn't wear them anymore. And that's the only, because he can't uh, look that much different. Yeah. But I think he used to wear those frames. And somehow or another, <laughs> you'd see him and you're like, what the fuck is with that? It's like and, albino. And, he, and his act, he had the thing like that second voice thing. Yeah, like the Kevin Meany thing. Yeah. The, yeah. the uh, what's he doing? Yeah, what's he doing? doing? But, he, but he didn't have like... Th- the other part of just being Jim. Right. So he would just be this big albino guy walking back on stage going, boochie, 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 yeah, making yeah. these weird noises. And I was like, what's going to happen to that guy? <laughs> <laughs> Where's that going? Yeah. And then the, and he was like an ex-football player. He was bigger. He was yeah. heavier than two. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why that's uh, the theme. <laughs> I know. They everybody, were all, everyone, everyone was, was fatter then, yeah. But that I think that's what I remember is that you and and Geraldo specifically just hanging around, sponging the energy. You know what I mean? Like taking it all oh, in. Completely. Like, we just could not believe that. Yeah. We were doing it. We just could not believe that. And the crazy thing about stand up that I yeah. realized because I had acted in school and I was like maybe I'll try and get parts, but I always had wanted to be a comedian. And the first time I did stand up, it was like, oh, this is like a backdoor. Into <laughs> you're the, like, that guy. Like, yeah, I don't have to get hired and get, I can get to on get stage on stage. All the time. Yeah. I can get on stage. And uh, John Stewart and Grace uh, Butler, Butler, Brett, Brett Butler, yeah. Brett Butler, whose her show yeah, was Grace. Grace I was hosting, and they were on the show. Yeah, and I was like, this is amazing. Like, yeah, I could yeah. not believe you were around these people. Like, you, you could share the stage with them. So, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Greg and I quit for. I did it for like a year, and then quit for how long? For like. Um, Probably like eight months. So let's go back then. So you know, you your the real desire was to be an actor. I mean, you know, ultimately coming out. I want no. I wanted to be a stand up as a yeah. kid. Like from the time I was. Where'd a you kid, grow up? In New Jersey. Yeah. What part Nor- of New Jersey? Northern New Jersey. Do you like, feel like I'm from New Jersey? No. I was born in New Jersey. You were for six years of my life, New Jersey. Where? Pompton Lakes. Oh, Pompton Lakes. Morris County. Yeah, it's not that far. No, it's not far from you, right? Yeah. No, Where you have we? a little Jersey. Oh, yeah, you. I'm genetically Jersey all the way through. Yeah. Both my parents, Jersey, <laughs> Jersey City, Pompton Lakes. Yeah, Jersey City was my mother. Oh, really? Yeah, as a yeah. kid. Yeah. What, what kind of like what kind of background are you? Uh, Italian and one German. German and Italian? Yeah, my one grandfather was German, the other three Italian. Oh, yeah? Mostly yeah. Italian. Mostly Italian. I feel Italian. I what, don't feel German. What town? Um, Woodcliffe Lake, Park Ridge, Montvale. Oh, yeah? Up there. Like nice. The, the border of New York and New Jersey. 
Jersey's pretty. I've grown. I, I, Jersey's you know, nice. I don't. I, I. The more I think about it, the more I grow. Like I remember going visiting from New Mexico to see the grandparents and aunts and uncles. Yeah. And the, in the summer, you get the big tomatoes. Yeah. And, and it was like almost like hazy from the humidity. Yeah. And, and so but green, very lush, so green. so green. I know, incredibly green. Yeah. And the beautiful it's pr- beach. It's like it's, pretty state. It's really nice. The problem is people come into Newark Airport and you drive on that turnpike. At that same time of year, and the sky Nightmare. is orange. Yeah, Newark, Elizabeth, yeah. Patterson is not great. I mean, yeah. there's definitely areas that's of, rough in Jersey. They're definitely rough. <laughs> I know, but I uh, but as a kid, I wanted I could see the Empire State Building from my little desk. Oh, really? Like you could see it in the distance. Yeah, and uh, and I just wanted to be a comedian. I always wanted to be a comedian. And then why? When, and then when I went to, I just I was very funny as a kid. Yeah, and. Uh, did, did and you... then I listened to comedy albums. I had this one week. Yeah. I listened to Let's Get Small with my friends, older yeah. friends. Had they turned you on to it? Had no idea that he sings uh, uh. Grandpa Bought a Rubber. <laughs> I had no idea what a rubber was, yeah, but yeah. I saw all the older kids laughing. I was like, wait, this is a job? And then I went to my friend Joe's house yeah. later in the week, and his, his father had given him Class Clown. Oh, yeah. And we sat in his basement. Shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits. <laughs> yeah, I was like, all right. I'm funny. These guys make a living out of this, and that just started the whole like just started my thinking. So what was that kid's thinking. name? So and so passed an entire cheese sandwich through his nose. Sister so and so thought yeah. it was a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so crazy. Just the cover of him, just like this hippie, like with, yeah, with the finger fingers up his, his nose. nose. <laughs> it's like, yeah. So I just you know as a funny kid, and I just want to do that. But then when um. I was in college. I was uh, acting. I just started acting. I played football my whole high school. Really? I you were kind of like that. I wasn't that. an arty kid. So did Gaffigan, right? Yeah, Gaffigan played. You Really? You played football? Yeah. My like, father was big football guy. Big time football so guy. So you're a sports fan now? I'm a baseball fan now. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Like a lot? Like you look forward to it? I like, really love watching. Is it happening now? Yankees, yeah. Is it happening? It's happening right now. Yeah? yeah. So you watch your games? Like, I watch com- games. I keep them on. I like this is my level. I like that I can read while watching a while watching a game because you just listen and we hear the clack of the bat. Yeah, like, hey, you look up. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I can't really focus on basketball. But we hear that clack. <laughs> You're like, oh, hey, where we go? ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I really love that. So, I love like you could sit with a paper and watch it. What position? I was a fullback. I ran, mm. but I started in kindergarten. Yeah, and uh, my a father. That was like you? my connection with my father. Like we, so you had one. I would work if out. It started in kindergarten. Yeah, you had, you had a connection. I did all the way. Yeah, you have siblings. He was a tough guy. Yeah, uh, two younger sisters. Oh, so you were. It was on you. Yeah, it was all me, <laughs> all me, all the time. And by the time I got to high school, I was like, I am, I, you know, enough of this. I'm tired of wearing pads. And I went to Ryder College in New Jersey. But your dad, though, he he was a big guy. He was a big yeah forearm. Still around? Yeah. Yeah, I call him the tank. Yeah, he's got these forearms. Yeah, just like you would like him. He's a no bullshit guy. Yeah, tough. Is he he's Italian? Approachable. Yeah. Is he t- the full Sicilian? Italian? Yeah. Yeah. His parents are both. Yeah, Sicilian. Uh huh. And like, what? Uh, what he do? He was a. He was in sales mm. for like early internet communications companies, but he did very well. He came from nothing. Yeah. Eight brothers and six brothers and sisters. Yeah. No money. Yeah. Worked his way up. Yeah. Did this sales thing, made uh-huh. good, made good money doing it. Hated it. Yeah. And he just he'd not he would he had like these sideburns <laughs> yeah. and he would go to like these conferences and he'd put up uh like 
uh, perverted slideshows because he thought it was funny, and and he's not a funny guy, really. No, no but he just you could. There was a rebel. To, he rode motorcycles. Oh yeah. He was not a corporate guy, but he needed to make money for his family and did that. But I always got the sense like he wants out. Oh really? Yeah, he did, wants out. Was he angry? Yeah. 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 <laughs> he's very sweet, a, a complex guy, like yeah. very sweet. But then the anger would. Boom. Right away? Come up, yeah. yeah. Yeah? In the house? In the house. Yeah. yeah. Outside. <laughs> Outside the house. <laughs> At restaurants. At restaurants. <laughs> In the car. Yeah. Like, you don't, Never knew you didn't when it was... mess. You did not mess. <laughs> it was like when they, when you- Was there a beat where you're like, oh, no. <laughs> when it was, when I'm, the, the phrase is, I'm going to tell your father, or your father's almost home. Yeah. Ugh. Horrible. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. 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 You yeah. guys get along now? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. What about your mom? She was funny. Yeah. Oh, She's she still was funny. funny. Yeah. You got to be when you're living with a monster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. An intense guy. And uh, they met in high school. Uh-huh. And uh, he's very quiet and stuff. And she was a goofball doing voices. Oh, really? Imitating everybody from like your, our life. She was fun. And her father was very funny. My grandfather. Did they ever do anything? Storytellers. Oh, very, yeah? Very much like- could light up the room, kind of. Oh hold, yeah, capture everybody. Yeah. What did what'd your mom do when you were growing up? She uh, she raised us and yeah. then went back to school, and uh, she got her degree while we were going through like junior high and high school. And in she, what? Then she ran an advertising company, a small ad agency. So yeah. she got you guys out of the way, and then you know. Yeah, she kept doing it. She always had her little eye on. Uh huh. Like there was like feminist stuff going on, and she was she's very kind of sweet, soft spoken, but she was always like. Thinking about feminist stuff and uh-huh. wanted her own business and got her own business and advertising's kind of creative. It is. Yeah, it is. They together. She still? could write. She's a writer. Yeah, yeah. She could tell stories. You yeah. Know? So well, was... advertising requires writing. Yeah, but then they you start together. Then you start doing like your clients or nursing homes and stuff. Yeah, you <laughs> can't like, get can't too re- funny. <laughs> yeah, right. It can't You're be almost too dead. Yeah. Yeah. Are they still married? Yeah. Ah. in their seventies, married, still taking motorcycle trips. Really? Yeah. So they ride together, or she gets in. She the gets on thing. the back. Oh, she does. Yeah. Oh, that's sweet. They've done the whole, all of Europe, all of the U.S. Really? Yeah. Ah, oh, man, that's kind of nice. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Like Harley, what's your they still what go. kind of bike? Harley's. He's your all dad, Harley's. All Harley. Does he hang around with a bunch of other old guys who yeah. ride Harley's? Yeah. And the you know he would go on this trip in June every year. Yeah. And uh, I started riding after college. You ride? I did. Yeah. No more. No. No. Out here with kids. A career. Scary. I, it's, yeah, scary. So is that something else that you and Geraldo bonded over? Yes. Geraldo and I used to, we had bikes in the city at the same time. I remember. And we would go park them. Like we'd go from, that was the first time we could easily get from the strip to the cellar. On the bike? Because remember, it was such a shit show to get down there. Oh, yeah, because you can- expensive. And you had like, you know, half hour between spots and you had to like <laughs> yeah. traverse the entire expanse of the vertical of New York. <laughs> yeah. You know, to get from Bleecker to fucking, you know, like 90, what is it? The con- Oh, no. Uh, no, like 76. 80, 76 on the east side, oh, yeah, right? on like 2nd Avenue. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah, like, yeah. there's no trains going to help you. If you had you. to go to stand-up New York, that's like at 95th or something. Yeah. Where the hell was that stand-up? Was, that was 78th in Broadway. Oh, but over. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But you, the, to the seller, forget, and you, you know, we had no money. We we needed that, yeah, ten dollars you got for your spot. We couldn't pay for a cab, right? Twenty five dollar cab. So you guys had. So both when we got bikes? motorcycles. That was the coolest. We could just cruise down and. Would you ride together, like you know, on these separate bikes? Once in a while, yeah. But normally, you know how you're running spots. It's Louis like, had one too for a while. Just meet up. And Louis had yeah. one, and then he fucking. <laughs> 
got in that horrible accident. It's usually what happens to people why they quit riding. You're like, yeah. Hi, maybe I don't want to be in a wheelchair. <laughs> fucking dribbling <laughs> i know as you know, my kids get older yeah before the kids thing it was when my i started getting you know a career as a stand-up and i was like i don't want to limp on the stage <laughs> i don't want to have to limp like jimmy schubert like a, yeah, like a cane schubert's like... a motorcycle limp oh yeah 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 i heard he got it fixed i don't know yeah do you know jimmy a little bit yeah a little bit i heard he got it fixed yeah yeah motorcycles are rough all right so <laughs> your so your dad you know they go on june and so I would yeah. take do those trips with him all the time. And you had a Harley too? And I, no, everyone was Harleys, and I couldn't afford a Harley, so I bought a Yamaha Virago. That look, it's a Japanese bike that looks like a Harley. So it's a it's a road bike. It's Big a road, road bike. bike. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and that's nice. uh, it was like a cruiser. It looked cool. Yeah. It was good, and they would bust my balls. But they broke down every trip. They would break down at the Harleys. And, yeah, <laughs> and people would come up, you know, from like. Yeah. You know, yeah. Tennessee, and be like, "Why are you letting this guy ride with you?" Yeah, <laughs> I'm sitting there on my little Honda that's still running, my Yamaha, the one yeah, that's not like, broken. That's what I, my line was. <laughs> Somebody's got to go for parts. <laughs> <laughs> but it was cool, and I kind of feel like that's my father's still going, and yeah. uh, we don't, I don't ride anymore, and I know he really it wants me to. Like it's kind of the reverse father son thing. But don't you, isn't there like, a, isn't there is that like I would be terrified. You know, I'm terrified to walk on a sidewalk with people <laughs> texting, and you know, yes. like, you know what I mean. Like all it takes is some guy to just like go over three feet. No, oh, I know. And then you know, I know. But uh, but it seems like highway riding, you know, once you get out in it, is is a little safer. Yeah, and country roads. Yeah. You know, you know, he's been doing it so long. I just I just can't now, you know. Yeah. But I feel like that would be a cool yeah, thing. Yeah. He really wants me to. We had football for a long time, then we had Motorcycle. bikes for a long yeah. time, and uh, now we just talk on the phone. <laughs> right, I guess that's what happens. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but all right. So so you're in Jersey, yeah, and you go to college and you're acting and what? Like, what, are you plays. taking it seriously? I am taking. I'm totally. You, are taking you studying it theater? I'm studying theater. That's what you're majoring in. No, I'm majoring in communications. But I go to Ryder because they have no football program. They were banned from football. Oh. They, they cheated. Like, they did not something. Even, no one can pressure me. No one. Not not even me out of guilt can do it. A hundred percent. Right. And I knew they had a theater department. Yeah. And I said I'll go there. Uh-huh. And I started studying. I had these really good teachers, and I was in all the plays, and I just kept. I just loved it. I, everything else was just fell fell aside. Yeah, like what kind of plays? I did All you... My Sons. Uh-huh. I did uh, Dracula. I did um, Equus. Really? That's yeah. heavy. It was heavy. Did you play the kid or the doctor? <laughs> I played the doctor. Uh. A, a, a 19-year-old, an 18-year-old kid imitating Richard Burton. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Trying to pretend that I smoke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, you know. Wow. But I learned a lot and I love, and, but more than, more than, like learning how to act, it was that uh, I became confident that this could, I could do live this lifestyle on like stage I could, somehow. Somehow, yeah. Growing up with salespeople and all this other people in my life, and no one in the arts, yeah. I just remember, I remember like at a, uh, we had rehearsal for this play. It was like dress rehearsal was coming down to the thing, mm-hmm. and we we lived off campus. My friends and I had this house. And they were having this great big party that they were planning. And I was at the Wawa after rehearsal, yeah. the 7-Eleven, yeah. getting a sandwich, knowing that the party was going on. Yeah. But no, like kind of in my head going over my lines, I'd just gotten out of rehearsal. And there was no rush to me in me to get to the party. Yeah. I remember standing in that Wawa thinking, this is what it is to be 
an actor. This is what it is to be in the arts somehow. Yeah, right. I have no, I just, <laughs> getting my sandwich by myself, thinking about my <laughs> yeah. lines. Yeah. And I, that moment was And not like, wanting to go to the party. Yeah, not, and that, I'll get there, whatever. Yeah. It's but that's be... also what makes you a comic. You're like, you're not like, I gotta get to the party. You're like, this is good. I got my thing. Yeah. I'm gonna eat my food and that's that. <laughs> that's right. That's a very big moment, <laughs> yeah. you know? Because you realize, no, they're chasing something, but I found something. Right. It's kind of how I felt. Yeah. Did you graduate? I did. Yeah. I graduated and uh, I went on one interview for um, in an ad agency. Yeah. At your mom's? And she didn't hire you? No. I actually <laughs> ended up working for her oh, really? after this. Yeah. Right when I graduated because I had no money. Yeah. Uh, I went on an interview because I figured I'll go to New York and be in advertising. That was the thing I was yeah. maybe I was supposed to do. And I went and I met with a guy in a cubicle and he's there in his suspenders and yeah. he's miserable and he's yeah. asking me mean questions and I'm in a wool suit in the summer like in the in the heat and i'm like what what is this yeah like this is what you know i love new york but this isn't what i want to and i went home (laughs) i went back to my house i had to get to rehearsal i drove you know down by princeton so you drive two hours whatever to took this suit off put my converse on and walked across the parking lot to rehearsal yeah and i was like there is no way I'm working. There's no way I'm working. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. What was the interview for? Bozell Advertising. Oh. That was it... one of the questions he asked me. What, so do you want to do account or do you want to do write? You want to uh, do creative? And I was like, I don't know. What, what is it? I don't know what it is. And, well, you don't know? You're going to have to know that if you're going to interview. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> no, I don't. Or I just don't come into your industry at all yeah. and never have to learn it. <laughs> <laughs> he was right though kind of yeah, you're yeah. Told, yeah if you're serious you should know the different yeah, departments should, yeah like maybe what you kind of want to do <laughs> yeah you, you should shed advertising I don't know. you shouldn't sit in there probably a little high <laughs> yeah. thinking, <laughs> wasting his time sweating <laughs> in, your little, yeah. in your bad suit obviously sending signals that you don't want to talk yeah. to him you, come, you, you just came in to interview so you could throw shade at the fucking guy giving the interview <laughs> teach him a lesson right exactly you little arrogant yeah. <laughs> a long-haired guy. So you did end up working yeah. for your mom? I did. I worked for her um, until I could make enough money doing stand-up. So, okay, so you go back, and then you, you're you're doing shows in college, and then, like, how do you get started with the stand-up? Well, I came, of, I, came of, uh, I came out of school, and yeah. I was like, I auditioned for the Rutgers program, Mason Gross graduate program for acting. Oh, really? Yeah, and I didn't get it. I didn't get in. And... Uh, I was like, well, well, I'll just get close to New York and I'll start auditioning, I guess. And I went into the city and I don't think I even auditioned. I didn't even have an act. I, no I, agent, I never no got nothing. there. It's no, so nothing. weird. Like, it's saying the approach is the same way you approach the advertising agency. I guess I'll just <laughs> look in the paper. <laughs> yeah. Someone will tell me what to do and or where to go. That's what happened. I got like backstage, I got the Village Voice and I looked in the Village Voice and there was an ad for the New York Comedy Club that if you... Uh, you could uh, have like an open mic bringer show yeah. situation. I, lo- I looked it up and I was like, well, what's, this is a phone call. Like, I don't need an agent. I just called the number and they said, okay, we have, an, we have a show. You got to bring three friends or whatever. They could sit in the audience and uh, we have an opening June 12th. And I hung up the phone and was like shaking. Like, I'm going to be on stage in New York City telling jokes and you probably talked to you actually talked to al martin it was probably, <laughs> yeah, al probably, martin probably. who answered the phone <laughs> and I'm so al excited. martin the, al martin carrie hoffman the people that unleashed the bringer show 
<laughs> on the culture of show business. It's their fault. Carrie yeah. Hoffman, the funniest uh, pipe fitter in New York contest. The, the funniest yeah. dentist in New York contest. And it's Bring so funny. nine friends and you can make a comedy record. And we're going to charge them yeah. $75 each for drinks. Oh, so awful. But, so, you, uh, so you had your date. So I had my date. And uh, I was shaking. I was shaking like a leaf. Really? And I that, started that writing weird, jokes. That weird excitement. Of yeah. Like, of like, this oh is man, happening. this is happening. Yeah. Because I started even in college. I would. I had this job as a security guard where I would sit out in my car outside of a. Um, you had a job as a security guard. Yeah. Yeah. I would sit in my car in a housing development yeah. in the winter, and just sit there. Nothing happened. It's the middle of like Windsor, New Jersey. Like yeah. there's no no foul play is happening here. But they needed a security, so I would just sit there with a sandwich yeah. and my uh, radio, yeah. and I ran a and a heater, and I would run a extension cord from one of the homes into my car and keep it warm and eat my uh, tuna hero, yeah. and just sit there for hours. And that's where you wrote. And that's when I started writing. I started writing and recording. I would write jokes. Because I'm sitting there talking to myself. This basically. is like this is what this is the job you were doing when you made the call to stand up New York. Or to no, New this York is Comedy this is before I graduated. This is like junior year of college. So you you just were writing jokes because you hadn't done a gig yet. I hadn't done a gig yet. No. Oh, really? I'd never no. But you knew you wanted to, so that's where you would write jokes. I would write jokes, and then I would come back and play the tape for my friends, and they thought it was awful. They thought yeah. like, "What are you? you <laughs> you're going crazy? Yeah, yeah. In your car by yourself. I'm like, but this part's funny. And they're like, come on. You couldn't go. tell them the joke? Let's go to a party. Let's go get high. No, because I, I was recording it. I was yeah. getting them down. I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> you I had no hold idea. the recorder up of you talking to yourself <laughs> yeah. in a car? Yeah. I'd listen back. That's pretty good. <laughs> you, you're your own audience. Yeah. You're just playing. Yeah, that's funny. Like a psycho. Like yeah. just by myself. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I just recorded. And so, so I, but I was kind of like writing jokes. So even though I hadn't performed before that June 12th show, I was I knew I needed jokes. I knew right. I had to kind of come in. You knew that them. you knew that much about this job. That, like, yes, I'd never been to a comedy club, <laughs> but but I watched them on TV. Right. And you're like apparently for this job you got to be prepared <laughs> with something to say when you get to the job. Yeah, you should probably yeah. Should, yeah. So which friends did you bring? That I know. Uh I brought my uh I brought my friend uh, Jason. Yeah. And uh who's a, a madman. And uh, the girl I was living with, uh, Janine, yeah, and uh, and a couple other friends, uh-huh. and they sat in the uh, in the audience, and I did my little jokes, and uh, you know, you quickly. How what I didn't people? know is that they they you run out of jokes quick, <laughs> so quick. Yeah, you are up there about a minute or two. Yeah, a minute or two, and I'm out. Yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> I all about, I prepared for. I got one really good laugh off of my one joke, and then I don't remember the others, and then. Uh, that was it. Started sweating up. and got out of there. Yeah. Talked to Geraldo. Yeah. Was he there? <laughs> Watched Geraldo do his thing. And Geraldo had his, do you remember his joke about uh, Catholics and Protestants, Neil sit stand? Uh-uh. He had this funny joke about what's the difference between. Yeah. Neil, it's just the one kneels and one don't. You know? Yeah, yeah. And then you do the Irish guy. These kneeling bastards, kneel, sit, stand, kneel, sit, stand, and then starts the whole war. And I was like, wow, this guy's a genius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was kind of a, a, a very bright guy. He was really bright. Yeah. Super smart. Yeah, yeah. Too yeah. smart, in yeah. a way. Yeah. His yeah, head he was, was a, a little he, too busy. He was a lawyer. Harvard Law. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so sad, that guy. So sad. He would have been... The, his, like... I always thought that he would be our kind of... Uh, yeah. You know, John Stewart, Bill Mark kind yeah. of a thing. Yeah. 
And like, if you think of the timing, yeah, like when Stewart leaves, and then you have this really seasoned uh, Hispanic comedian, yeah. accessible to white people, yeah, it, it, he could have slid right in there. It he, seemed like it was all set up. He got rerouted he by sh- his own uh, by addiction. Yeah, rerouted. I had no idea. No. Not really. Not yeah. till way later. Like yeah. how deep in he was. I just didn't know. Yeah. I, I wasn't that close to him. I didn't live in the same town. Right. And by the time I heard about it, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. You know, because like I remember one time I wanted to have him on and he was out here and I don't know, he's talking funny. Like he got loopy. Yeah, like, really? He got, well, you know, got paranoid and weird and, yeah. and you know, like yeah, lack of sleep. He would much just go. He would yeah. go on benders. Like, yeah. For days and did you were you guys friends then? Yeah. Oh really? No, we were. I, I was tight with him the whole way, and uh, but as these stories always go, even the people that are closest don't yeah. really know what's going on. Right. Right. And I would tell him repeatedly. Yeah. Just you know, because he tried to get sober many times. Many times. Yeah. And he had a couple close calls where he ended up in the hospital. And I remember saying to him at one point, just, you know, you're going to crush me. Yeah. That's like- Oh, if you die? If you die, yeah. just so you know, yeah. uh, I know you've got kids and there's a, more people that are important, <laughs> yeah. than, more important than I am. Yeah. But just so you know, I should go on record as saying, it's going to wreck me. If you And just to, I don't know. I didn't know how to tell him. But he, he get very- He's real Start charming. having friends you don't know. They start doing things you don't know. And- uh they do, you mean? They yeah. do, addicts, oh, yeah. addicts. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're like, who's that guy? You, the weird-looking guy. Yeah, who's the guy that you just left he's, the club yeah, my with? my buddy, yeah, he's that guy. You know, he's, <laughs> he's, they always, and that's always the guy that's there when you die and leaves. Totally, which is what happened. Is it? Yeah, well, he was in New Jersey, and he, he was clean, he was doing well. Yeah. And then he ran into some people he had partied with before. Right. And they just showed up and yeah. had stuff on them. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and they that, left. That's They left, and he's alone in the hotel. In a coma. Yep. In New Jersey. I remember when I heard it, Vinnie Brandt, right? Yeah. That's the guy who went over there, found mm. him probably. Fuck him Yeah, up. couldn't find him. Yeah. And I, went over to the hotel. And they had to break the door down, I guess. Yeah. God damn it. So you uh, so you knew and you tried and you didn't. I, it, that's weird because everyone's got their own life. You don't know the scope of it, you know? You really don't. But you, you know, as close as, as close as, you know, as much as we know. I mean, you know from doing the show. Like, yeah. You've, you've had friends- probably that are really close to you. Sure. That you never get to ask them questions until we're sitting in this scenario. Right. Well, you don't know their life. I mean, you know, yeah. there, there's a, a community thing that we all have. Yeah. But, but you know, certainly once we get old enough to have lives, you know, you got to stay on top of that. You, you got to stay engaged and sort of like, yeah, we socialize with them, you know, once, three times a month. We yeah. go out. The kids know each other. Whatever it is. Yeah. You got to stay in it. You got to. Or else, you know, like, even if three months goes by and people are grown-ups, you're like, you did what? You killed a man? <laughs> you know, yeah. When did that? You did jail time? How long has it been since <laughs> right. I, you know. Which, yeah, it's a good point. Like, when whenever, like, people are interviewed about the killer next door. Yeah. Well, of course, they always say we had no idea. How would we know? We, How the would guy's we know? over there. We, I'm we gotta, busy. Yeah. <laughs> I got the dishes are piling yeah. up. <laughs> we used to see him. He looked weird. He had a weird look about him when he was out in the yard. Yeah. Yeah, I, don't know. I didn't make eye contact. I want to get to the recycling in back of the yeah. house. House. Yeah, <laughs> we were uncomfortable, but we had no idea he was collecting heads. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, I, yeah, but I, I did, but the, the you weird don't thing, know. But the illusion is, and I, I don't think it's an illusion. I think it's sincere when you, you know, when you spend that much time, like you, you know, we as comics, whoever your crew was, yeah. 
I mean, you're out all night, man. You're, I mean, you know, you're you're with them every night of the week. Your yeah. days are similar. You wake up in the middle of the day because you've been out till four, <laughs> yeah. eating and you know, and doing the shows. Yeah, and you know, you see each other like every fucking day for years, and you eat late at night. You talk about bits. You talk about women. You talk about you know whatever your dreams are, whatever this or that. You talk about other comics, but that bonding that's a real thing. So like you know each other, yeah. But then you know all of a sudden it's like we have this assumption, and and I think it's real. I think a lot of us know each other, and we know each other from around yeah but you know you got to be part of someone's life to know their life totally you can know somebody's essence like i knew who you were yeah without knowing much about you yeah like i you know you, sure. you kind of knew what what your vibe was but you don't really know but and, you see and we see each close, other everywhere you know you see you still, people every week you know yeah. but I, guess, I guess that happens in real jobs too you know like yeah every day they go to work it's like that guy i don't know like i, I, get, I <laughs> yeah. get him i don't need to talk to him <laughs> right yeah so glad he doesn't work on this floor yeah you know? <laughs> Yeah, and there's like this camaraderie, but also you know, yeah. Like it was funny even just coming here. It's like look at look at this. Yeah. After all this time, he did all right. I'm going to see. Yeah, I'm going oh, to see Mark. Yeah, I played like, about we're, me. We both out here yeah, living yeah. this place we didn't even think about. Yeah. In '98. In yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it's funny. Like you're almost like survivors. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's true, man. Yeah. You know you you know because you do see people fall to the wayside. You do see people die. Yeah. You do see people still struggling, and you know it is a survival thing. You know, and yeah. and I don't, you know, and it didn't look good for me for a while. <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean it's you know those moments, like it's so much nicer. <laughs> like I have friends that know uh, that knew Jeff Garland like really early in Chicago. And they don't have nice things to say because they they seemed he seemed like aggressive and mean and whatever. I'm like, you met him when he's scratching and clawing trying to find his way. Yeah, and then and now he's still aggressive, but he hides the mean. <laughs> yeah, but he's he's had success, so like you calm down. You're like, okay, it's gonna be okay. Well, that's but that's a moment that's a, you know you should always be grateful for. I think, and I and yeah. I you know I have to you know because certainly for me and, and and for anybody really it was definitely hard earned. It never came easy, right? But there is that moment where you're like you know all right I've I've at least you know achieved the ability to to make a living yeah. and not worry as much. You know yeah. you do get you yeah, but- if you're lucky you find a groove you find a niche yeah. you find you know all of us kind of you know cobbled together. A survival in in show business, yeah. like, you know, the first few years, you get a deal, you do this, you're on the road. Yeah, and you're not you're not saving money really. No, you're just getting by. Yeah, and every time you had a little money, you're like, now you gotta hold on to that shit. <laughs> yeah, because this could all go away. You know, I saw what happened to what's his name. I'm right, not gonna fucking, I'm not gonna buy four cars. And <laughs> yeah, then end up selling them. I'm not gonna base my life off this one good year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, you know that moment where you're like, oh, I'm gonna be all right. You know, like I'm old and uh, you know I, I might not die broke. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's great, you and can, it's great to see. Yeah, I mean, really, that's true. And, and also, that's true. and that frees you up. I, you know, watching from the outside, yeah. this thing freed yeah. you up. So I know it freed you up in a way that you could go and get that role on Glow, right? And also as a standup, as a right, yeah. But I mean, like, there's a there's a sense of calm and confidence, uh, yeah, 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 like that. You can walk in and be like, I can sure. own this. Major sure. role, yeah. Which, when you're desperate and like fighting it, maybe you get oh, yeah. in your own way. Yeah, I think that was mostly because of my own show that I was able to do for a few years in relative obscurity. Yeah. I'm, I've had a lot of big. Uh, I've done a lot of the things I've always wanted to do, and in, in a way that no one's really paid attention to them. So right, is quiet. Is, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm the same way. <laughs> Technically, yeah. it's on the resume. Sure, but but you, <laughs> you can't under underestimate. Uh, or underplay the experience element no. part of it. Like, you know, doing my own show for four years, knowing going in 
the first year was going to be dicey and I didn't know how to do it. Yeah. But I was like, I've seen other guys, you know, <laughs> you know, bumble through this. And he the good thing it. for me is nobody watches the network I'm on. So <laughs> for four years. <laughs> so I was quietly learning, getting yeah. a, a skill set. How to do it. And also because the podcast became successful, I didn't need to do anything else. I really don't. Right. So yeah, you're right. You know, once Glow came around, I'm like, I, you know, like uh, it's like at that point before it came, I'm like, whatever. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, we'll I, see. I honestly don't give a fuck. Yeah, I'll take the meeting. But <laughs> but you had some like you That's know great. kind of major movie stuff. Like I'd like to do some of the stuff you do in movies. You know, it, but let's let's get to that later. So okay. so you start. You know, so you're working around the city, and then you know, I, when did you get in at the cellar? What you know, what were the the uh, the hoops you had to jump through? To get work in New York. You were mostly yeah. working at uh, Carrie's place in, in the comic strip? Yes, exactly. I was doing I was doing stand-up New York, yeah. the comic strip. Yeah. Once in a while, Caroline's when you needed a tape. Yeah. <laughs> they, <laughs> could, get they had the tape right there. <laughs> comic strip had a tape, too, but it always looked like some sort of weird surveillance. Scene, yeah. That, that stationary <laughs> fucking shot of the comic <laughs> yeah. strip stage, and everyone had that. Oh, the you know? bad lighting. And, yeah. Oh, so brutal. But it just—it was so much fun. You were just doing it and trying to get good and trying to, just trying to get good. Yeah. And I knew that the seller was like, I, I had a thing in my head like, you don't go to the seller until you yeah. are good. Yeah. You you can't sit at the. You can sit at one of the other tables. Yeah. No, I didn't even go. <laughs> oh, I was really? no. I, I was just like, remember that movement of tables. Like there's the corner table. <laughs> yeah. And then there was like two or three tables with those comics. <laughs> right. Yeah. The yeah. non-corner table people. <laughs> it's such a. It really. Someone asked me, like, a young comic asked me, like, so, uh, how did you, like, how did you know you wanted to do it? And it's yeah. like, like to get through like all those yeah. years of, I'm like, you don't. It just pulls you. Yeah. Otherwise, no. if you stopped at any point and said, does this make sense? Yeah. You would. You wouldn't no. do it. You know, you really there. If you in your brain, there's you don't have any choice. No, <laughs> you just go. Yeah, yeah. It's like, this, what do you mean? There's I no can't. evaluation. I'm like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a comedian. It's a rare thing. It's like, but not as rare as it used to be. But, but you know, that sort of like, I'm not thinking about anything else. No, it's completely consuming. Completely. You know, I quit. Like I said, I quit for like eight months. The girl I was with, her father passed, mm. and uh, it was just a heady thing. And I felt like I had to make money and take care of her, and and I just stopped going into the city. And uh, Geraldo would call me at my day job every day. Mm. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I, I, I just got some stuff I got to do. And, yeah, I'll, I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll be back. And yeah. he would call me every single day. Really? Every day. And in that time, in that eight-month time, I gained 30 pounds. I'm playing video games with my friends, just drinking. What are you, what are you doing for money? I'm working at my mom's advertising. Oh, that's when it happened, yeah. And I'm working there. I'm getting, I don't know what I'm doing. But I do know that I'm getting fat and I'm playing, I'm drinking beer and getting high and just doing that and trying to convince wow. myself that this is okay because I'm making money and we'll have a life, I guess. A zombie life. And I remember laying on my sister's bed one day at a family party yeah. and I said, am I funny anymore? Uh-huh. Am I- To who? The wall? To, to, no, to her. Oh. She, she, I could always make her laugh. And, yeah. I'm like, am I even funny anymore? She goes, yeah, you're always funny, but, you know, I don't know. Are you having fun right now? (laughs) That's what she said? Yeah, and I realized I've got to get back, and I went back into the city, and and that was it. I was like, I was literally 
doing the wrong thing. That was your and dark it was time. Making me, it was making me like sick. <laughs> the dark time. <laughs> yeah. Working for your mom, drinking beer, getting high and getting fat, just sitting around <laughs> playing video games with your, your high school friends. High school friends. That's exactly what it was. Thinking this could be okay. Yeah, this is a life and you're uh, with a woman. Yeah. So what happened? You ended up breaking up with her? Yeah, we ended up splitting and uh, and then- Went back into the city and just was like, I just, it was like, it was like a second confirmation right. that this is really the only thing and I Geraldo be would doing. not stop pestering you? He would not stop. He would not stop. And that was humbling because I've been doing it for a couple of years yeah. and getting decent enough. Yeah. And I would have to go, I went back. Like I, I could go, at that point I could, I could kill on stage. Yeah. With whatever material I had. Right. And you took I eight could, months off. And then took eight months off and now came back and couldn't get on stage and had to go to the Boston Comedies. Sure. Bringer show, like before, like not even the- And Geraldo's work in the clubs. Yeah. And Geraldo's right. in. Yeah. And I had to go and eat shit for six months. Uh, and But I knew like, all right, yeah. I'll just get, I just got to go back to work and get- Yeah, get strong. Get back to yeah. it. But it was hard to come back, even at that point. Like, wow. It was hard. Like- you're weak yeah but i knew like once i came back that was it and then i just i got a a a gig for doer scotch Mm. where i was hosting basically (laughs) they're basically trying to get young people addicted to doer scotch sure and they need a comedian to host and tell jokes and i made an uh like seven hundred dollars for the week and that's when i quit my job and jumped yeah because i had i was like okay i just had in my head I was pretty straight. Like I was like, I did have, I wasn't this. Yeah. I was an artist like to, but I also knew I had to take care of my shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause sure. that was driven and drilled into me. Like, yeah. Keep uh, an, an eye on your business. Like yeah. you don't, right. don't just jump without anything. So when I made that $700, I figured, well, that's what I, it's more than I'm making doing. And you knew that you could do this. I can host. Like you, you knew that, you know, you weren't going to do what I was doing. You, you weren't going to, yeah, push the envelope in a way that people don't like you. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, is your act? No, I mean, well, yeah, sure. Like, you know, I, I think that it seems that your discipline around, you know, how you were going to do comedy was, um, you know, was was likable. I mean, you, you weren't going to, you know, go up there and, and challenge people to like you. No, that part of it, no. Yeah, yeah. But that's just who you are. Yeah, I know. That's just who, you know, right. I was... I guess no one really does that. I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> no, there are a bunch of yeah. people that, yeah, no, I don't like making people unhappy. You don't make, <laughs> I don't. Making the audience work? No. Why does this guy have more of his shit together? <laughs> I don't like offending them. I make eye contact with everyone when I'm on stage. I want everyone to like me. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Before I was a comic, I was doing that. I just always couldn't believe yeah. When I found out that someone didn't like me, yeah. I was okay. shocked. How could that? Like, yeah, and me. My, my, my well, friend, not, not Marin. Yeah. He doesn't like anybody. Yeah, I'm my friend gonna... literally was like, well, you know, everyone's not going to like you. And that really came as a surprise. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, so I was always just about trying to. So you you kind yeah. of built it and you started doing the jobs that we all do, doing the TV shows we all do, you know. Yeah. But then you sort of evolved, right? And, you know, you did a lot of uh, Big Tonight Show guy, right? Yeah, I did a bunch of those. With Leno. With Leno. A few Lettermans. A le- few Lettermans. Conans all the time. Conan, a lot of Conans. Yeah, a lot of Conans. It was what we did in New York. You did Conan. You yeah. get that call from Paula. Do you have anything ready? <laughs> yeah. <'Cause laughs> and we she lost, would be honest. You, I know. You, to, we, someone fell out tomorrow. Like, George Clooney could not. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm filling in for Clooney. No, we're rearranging. <laughs> yeah. The, the <laughs> but you were like the you were like that was like that was impressive to all of us that all of a sudden you were going in and you were a regular and sitting there talking to him. Well, I wanted to do panel. That was always my thing growing up. Like I'd see these guys do panel. It seemed to like be a more better way for me to work. Right. You know, because Richard Lewis used to do it. Those guys on Letterman, uh-huh. like uh, Larry Miller and Jay and all those guys. You do panel. That meant you were, you know, you were one of the business. guys. Yeah. yeah. So I just like became like adept at that. Like I, I could go I in there. That. Oh, I could go in there. It's different than a stand-up spot, which you sort of do have to prepare. Yeah. But like with panel, I could go in there if she called me on a day's notice with half-baked jokes. Right. With jokes that weren't full yet and that were funny enough to be conversational. Right. And just and you know, still funnier than the other people on the show. Cause yeah, yeah. You know, you it's just stuff. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely had shit I was thinking about. You yeah. know, st- stuff I was processing because- during Luna Lounge days, you know, everything was sort of, I was halfway to jokes all the time. You know, I right. had things I was working on and then they kind of pressure you to really make it work. And then I'd go on and sometimes they wouldn't. Like, I mean, like, I would say- but you did it regularly. Yeah, seven out of 10 times though, like the first thing would always fall flat and Conan would be like, oh, here we go. Like, you know, like, <laughs> like yeah. oh, I'd always say something where the audience would get nothing and, and it just became a thing. <laughs> That like you know, good way, nice day, way to alienate him right out of the yeah. gate. Like in retrospect, I don't know if Smiley and him were setting me up. Like you know, he's going to do that thing. We're going to just let him do this thing first. Yeah. He's going to get nothing, and then he'll struggle for the rest of it. It'd be great. <laughs> but you, yeah, I remember we were all like, really? wow, yeah, you knew how to sit. I didn't even know how. Like, I think if you look how at me, how did he even know how to sit? I'm slouching. Yeah, if you look at me, you cross your legs. You had your cool boot sticking out. I was like, this guy knows what he's doing. Oh my god! My impression <laughs> of me was the opposite. Like, why am I wearing those boots? How come I'm not sitting up? <laughs> of course, <laughs> I'm shopping for boots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but how did you like? Where do you think you really crossed over into? Because at some point, you know, you became a very uh, you know, kind of efficient headliner with, you know, long form bits that, that were very meticulously structured. Was it, you, you know, was it opening for Seinfeld that did that? That really? Yeah. I think meeting Seinfeld, no joke, was like, I always say that was like the big break yeah. because I was doing stuff. I had had late night shots and I was doing it, but I was, you know, you're still very confused and you don't know, you know, you're hanging out. I'm looking at you. I'm looking at a tell. You're looking at all these different people that yeah. are, aren't really what I am. Right. They work differently. They're uh, living different lives. Yeah. You know, and I'm, and I'm with, I, I mean, were you Seinfeld, married yet? Did, what, what, no, I was with, I was with Cynthia, but and I, she was a comic and she was a comic. Yeah. And we just started when I met him. I yeah. Think, I think, yeah, I think I met her for like a what year. What was her maiden name? Corey. Yeah. Cynthia Corey. Right. Yeah. I remember her. And, um, you're still married. Yeah, yeah, eighteen years. At least a couple of years of like meeting her and meeting Jerry. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> really, it was, like, some, it was good because she was some grounding. She was no, she was no bullshit. Yeah, and uh, and she came from where I came from, and we had this kind of connection. And then meeting Jerry, yeah, just having him first of all. How'd you say, meet him at the? I was at Stand Up New York. Oh, this one week. I had two days in a row. I was on stage while he walked in. Yeah. Remember, he was kind of circling the clubs. Yeah, yeah. He hadn't been on stage yet, but he was checking out right. everything. Right. And he walked in two nights in a row at Stand Up New York, and you can from Stand Up New York, you can you see, see through the door. window, you can see who's at the bar. Yeah, and you can see that fucking door when they stick their head in to yeah. the right because the <laughs> club is so fucking narrow and stupidly designed at the time. <laughs> it was so dumb. Like people would walk in, he'd 
you could see everyone in the fucking room, no matter how they put the lights. Yeah. Everyone, you could see get waitresses getting Everybody. up. See, uh, you know, all the executives, whoever was there, coming in the yeah. door, standing in the door, see him in the sound booth. It was fucking. <laughs> it was the a, worst. Yeah, and you're up there trying to survive. Yeah, yeah. it was really. It seems so rough, but it, so he came in two nights in a row, and yeah. I switched my material up because I saw him there. I was like, I don't want him to think I just do the same thing. Yeah. Like, just stupid ideas. But when I came off to the stage, he said, he pulled me aside and said, you're really funny. And we started a conversation. And just him, Seinfeld, right off the show, yeah. coming, just give me that confirmation. And I just uh, stuck around him. Yeah. And then at the Comedy Cellar, you know, he didn't, all his guys were gone. The people he came up with, they weren't hanging out. So he knew Colin. Yeah. He didn't have friends like we had like friends. Like the comic strip friends. Yeah. They weren't comedy no, seller friends. He was a comic strip guy. So it was Mark Schiff and, uh, you know. And like, Riser. Right, and, right. You yeah. know, all those people. Yeah. And, and they'd all moved on. Sure. You know, so he's coming back and there's all these. So I was like, just. Just join Don't her. be annoying. Yeah. <laughs> don't be annoying. Be hang And Colin, Colin uh, was friends with him and I would sit with him and Jerry. Yeah. And it just kind of, I soaked in everything because he wrote. Like I wrote, it was a confirmation yeah. that my way of working yeah. was okay. Yeah. Like that I sit and I like to write and I like to go on stage and then like rewrite it. And yeah. Like, and how to, and, and he wasn't really tortured. He was, you know what I mean? He was closer to me in personality. Yeah. And the way that he worked. Yeah. That really at that time gave me a confirmation like I'm doing the, I, there's validation that I'm, I can work this way and I um, I can make it. <laughs> and that's, that's interesting because I have, like that sort of explains something about my reaction to you because I have the same reaction to him is that I don't have no idea who that fucking guy is. Right. And I didn't, I didn't necessarily resonate with comedy. You know, I understood that he was a great technician and everything. Right. And now, you know, like I literally did not, I didn't watch much Seinfeld. I was not, I, I didn't care about his stand-up. And it wasn't until I just watched that recent one where mm -hmm. he goes back to the comic strip right. that I sort of got a sense of who he was. Right. And, you know, and I was right about him for me. Uh -huh. It's not my cup of tea. Right. You, you know, and yes. just that, like, but, you know, you got to respect his craft and his talent and he's funny, but the way he approaches it, he literally says, I don't give a shit if they know who I am or like me. I'm here to see if the joke works. Yes, he is. He's like a scientist the way he goes right. after it. But I don't, I don't, I felt like. You're more revealing. I'm more, yes. I mean, you talk about marriage, about your frustration, but there was a, there was that great joke that was sort of a Seinfeld joke, but oddly one of, <laughs> one, of the, one of the jokes of yours, I remember realizing that you were funny was that thing about the, the pillow, the stains on the pillow. Yeah. Like, was our head leaking? What's the joke? Yeah, it's, uh, when have you, you ever seen your, your, your favorite pillow? It looks like a Civil War bandage, <laughs> like a bandage from the Civil War. <laughs> But yeah, but you evolved into talking about, you, you know. Can I tell you a funny story about that yeah. joke? Yeah. This is a name drop, but it's a, such a big name drop I want to tell it. Okay. I did a gig for uh, Clint Eastwood at, yeah. at his Mission Ranch. Oh, up, really? Yeah. His, uh, I did a gig and they knew me, so they brought me in for this fundraiser. Yeah. And there's no food at the end of the night. Yeah. And we finished the thing and I said to him, uh, is there any place we can get food? The restaurant on the property is closed. He goes, I'll get you something. Come on, let's let's walk around. <laughs> yeah. And Clint Eastwood and I yeah. in the dark. Yeah. You know, this is, you know, up, up there in Carmel. Yeah. Walking across a, a gravel driveway. <laughs> like Josie Wells. <laughs> and in the dark, yeah. Clint Eastwood says to me, you know, every time I, I go to bed at night, I think about your Civil War bandage joke. <laughs> <laughs> 
Is that surreal? I'm just like, that's it. That's it. I'm never. I don't have to do you, anything. You else. succeeded. You yeah. Won. You, you put a brain worm <laughs> right in Clint head. <laughs> oh, he lived for those moments. That's great. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So I. But it was just a confirmation that, like. But then he asked you to open for him, and you've been like sort of his. You and Mario are like the guys, right? Well, yeah, up until like you know. Up until like the last five years, I I worked for him solid for like eight years, and that's a good gig. It's a great gig. I mean, it's the audiences are amazing. You're doing twenty, twenty five, what twenty, twenty twenty five, gorgeous theaters. Yeah, you're hanging with him. Yeah, and you just learn. I just learned a lot about you know being a person, being a comedian. Yeah, like he's a very. He's very morally grounded. He's takes care of his stuff. He doesn't. Uh, he's not a. There's weirdo. no like. He's not a weirdo. There's no like not spinning out of off. Not yeah. out of control. Right. It's like he's the opposite. I'm not as dialed in. He as is he. the opposite of he, out of control. <laughs> yeah, he really <laughs> is. So I learned a ton, and that was like at its core. Just being around him. Yeah, you got things. You know, yeah. like, but but just more as like the friendship. Of that comedian was was super super valuable. I don't remember where we were. We were at some hotel. I yeah. think I was working in one room and you were opening for Jerry somewhere else. Was that in Vegas? Yeah, no, somewhere? it was in Florida. Oh, it was at in the Florida. Hard Rock, I think. Oh God. Yeah, you were playing the club and Jerry was playing the theater there. It's the fucking worst. It's a weird spot. That fucking Hard Rock is the worst. Uh, walking from the hotel up through that outdoor restaurant, yeah. Florida late night yeah. shit show. To your to the club was rough, and I waited to do it. Like you know, my, my my I have family down there, and I just put it off because I don't I don't like yeah. I don't like performing down there for some reason. Yeah, and the audiences were like, Whoa, "Who the fuck are these people?" I got twelve fans there. This is before I built my audience, yeah. and the rest is like you know like free tickets or I don't know what. Yeah, I know birthday parties. You're just sweating up there. You're uh. just like sweating. <laughs> It's so hard. I know. It's like you do this for years, and then uh, you know you're going to hit those nights where it's like this isn't landing. And I know from doing this that it's not going to. I'm not writing this ship. Yeah, and and, <laughs> and you get that sweat in the back of your neck where it's just that sweat of like, wow, oh, this is like manual yeah. labor now. You know. Yeah, and you've got just five gotta, shows you have I to just do. Got to get through the job. I got to. Yeah. Oh, that's a rough spot. Yeah, and we had coffee. Yeah, we had yeah, coffee during nice. the day. Yeah, it was nice to see you. And yeah, I think things turned for me and you. So how did you develop <laughs> so the funny. relationship with, uh, like, because you did the informant, and then you showed up in the in that great- um, Behind the Candelabra. Yeah, I love that movie. The Liberace movie. The Liberace. So I th- good. I, so good. Those are Soderbergh movies. Soderbergh. Right? And you somehow he likes you. He likes comics or what? Yeah, well, that he Somehow, did the- listen to me. Still a little bit- uh, Sticking the knife in. <laughs> right. I don't know. I don't get it, but I guess that guy. <laughs> Why does decided, he like you? Yeah, what is that? <laughs> what does he see in you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. He. Uh, I auditioned. I got that. One of the rare times when I actually auditioned for something and got it. Yeah. Was the informant. Mm-hmm. He was. He uh, he put a lot of comedians into that movie I remember, because yeah. he wanted the energy to be off kilter. Yeah. It's such a weird story. Yeah. And he said, I want every comedian has their own quirky energy right and that will set a tone for the film interesting and so i got that role and then uh we just hit it off and i just didn't suck yeah no you're great (laughs) and he put me in uh that and he put me in the nick and worked on a couple things and he's great i mean that talk about similar to the seinfeld thing yeah this is a very special guy yeah who works all the time yeah just purely wants to 
Soderbergh is working on eight things all the time. You leave him and you're just like, you just meet for a drink and you're like, I got to do more. Like, yeah. What am I doing with my time? <laughs> yeah, right. Literally. Yeah. And uh, so I just really stuck around and, you know, again, don't be annoying. <laughs> right. And uh, and he saw that I could act and, you know, we just kind of, and he liked my stand up, which was really, which is, you know. That's nice. That's always I thought you were thing. great in the Behind the Candelabra. It was a weird part. You were like, I can't remember, like a I was promoter, his manager. manager. I, yeah, right. Me and Dan Aykroyd played right, his managers. Right. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. his road manager. He was his business manager. Yeah, I just thought that movie was pretty inspired. Brutal. One, well, the cool Who are you thing, talking to, Mumbles? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. It's one of those things where you just know that I'm involved in something that's good. So many times you take gigs and you're like, I don't know where the, how, how this is going. But you know. Fucking my, Matt Damon and, and Michael Douglas were like just really fucking acting the fuck out of that thing. Like, so I mean, like. Because both those roles are, are risky, they're vulnerable, and they're mildly disturbing on an emotional yeah. and, and level and they were so in it what was amazing though yeah was watching them at this stage both of them such confidence in what they're doing really knowing how to do it yeah that they weren't carrying this weight like i i was sitting with i was in a scene with uh michael douglas and yeah. we're in the background right and it's really matt's scene up front we're not even miked Right. But we're in our big Liberace get-ups. Yeah. And there's <laughs> Michael Douglas, like, Soderbergh's known for doing one take, maybe two, then moving on. Right. And it's going three, four takes. And Michael Douglas, in his Liberace voice, in the middle of the scene, turns to me and says, he's doing a lot of takes. I really have got to take a dump. <laughs> Why is he deciding to run this one long? <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. And Matt, too. Matt, at one point... He, we're all sitting at the table. It's a very emotional scene where he's being, he's fe- like feels like they're breaking up. Yeah. And Matt's sitting there on his Blackberry. He's making jokes and stuff. And I'm just watching him. I'm, I'm amazed by these guys. And okay, we're gonna gonna roll. Matt puts the his phone under the napkin and just boom. All of a sudden, from this joking around, hanging out to tears pulling your heart out tearing at your heart huh. that he's breaking up with this guy and he's hurt and he's vulnerable and he's just, and then cut okay hey, and hey. Back, back to making no jokes no kidding they are so they know like what you were saying how you learned after four years and then going you started to get a well, skill set well it's interesting that Douglas stays in it yeah and and Damon can go in and out of it yeah fascinating yeah I remember I heard a quote. It wasn't on that set, but I think it was an interview at the same time uh-huh. where Michael Douglas said when he was younger, it was like all like, uh, you know, you had to really yeah, be balled up in your emotion and you had to own it and feel it. And he said, because the camera knows when you're lying. Right. The camera knows. So you better be honest and really know it. And then Michael Douglas said, it may tell, it may be able to tell when most people are lying, but. I don't think it can tell when I'm lying. I'm an actor. And then he let all that emotional shit go and he knew I can I can act. That right. is right. It, it lightened him up in a way. Oh, that's nice. Isn't that cool? Yeah, man. And and so but you oh you were in Chris's movie and analyzed that. Who were you? That in was that? my first movie ever. What would you do? What'd you do? I played in a jewelry store when De Niro's trying to go straight. Yeah. And uh He's he takes a job. He's trying to do these straight jobs yeah. after he left the mafia. And he, uh, I play the a guy shopping for his engagement ring, oh, yeah. and I was with him for the whole day. 
Yeah. But that was the first movie I ever got, and uh, Harold Ramis directed it. Yeah. And I went for the thing, and I get a call back. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'm okay. I'm hit with my little yeah. scene. And he says, okay, so we're going to go in. Uh, you're going to go in. You're going to read. Uh, you, you'll read the part of whatever with Bob and thing. And, I, and we walk in, and it's De Niro. Yeah. I, I was thought Bob the yeah. assistant, yeah. the intern. And I walk in, there's De Niro standing there with a script. <laughs> for my callback yeah. of the first movie ever. And I'm like, holy <laughs> shit, okay. And then I start doing it, and I'm like really dialed in. I'm like, okay, got to try. Mm. And De Niro's going off script, and he's fumbling. He's not like yeah. improvising. He yeah. just can't find his way. Yeah. He's screwing up my audition. Right. Literally in the middle of audition went from <laughs> I'm with a god to who's this asshole? Got <laughs> 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 to ruin my shot. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I got it. got it. I got it. It was it fun? You were on set with him all day. Yeah, the whole day. And yeah. after every after every take, they'd be they'd say cut, and a hair and makeup person would come yeah. on him like koala bears, yeah. and just start going to work on him. And I'm just standing on the other side of this jewelry counter, yeah, you know, watching this, yeah. And I, so I just started making jokes about my hair, yeah, my hair. How's my hair? How how, <laughs> how my nails? How? And it was after like the fourth time of that <laughs> happening, to me, I was like. This guy really is worried about his hair. You want, to go, you want to take a look at his hair? Someone's got to take a look at this. This guy's really concerned about his hair. He thought you were serious? No, he was starting to bust oh, my oh, balls oh, back. Oh. Oh, Did God. he stay in character in between takes? No. Yeah. No. That's funny. Yeah. So well, you do a lot of guest shots on stuff. I can see that in the stand-up stuff. But you had that one show that you really put a lot of effort and work into, that marriage ref thing. And Yeah. It seemed to, you know. Seinfeld's only failure. You tried and tried <laughs> and you, it didn't quite work. didn't come together. No, it didn't. How many episodes did you do? We did two seasons. Yeah. So what was 20. What was the problem? It did, like, I, I remember watching it sort of like, what is a show exactly? Yeah, that's exactly like it. Like, you, you know, you had an idea, and then you're like, how do we integrate celebrities into it? It was a lot of moving parts. <laughs> right. It was it, it was part reality show, part talk show, yeah. part game show. Right. It really never landed on exactly what it was, but, you know, but that was okay. Like, it was supposed to be this little quiet Sunday night family show. Yeah. Taking people with their real problems uh-huh. and uh, their real funny marital stuff. Yeah. And- uh at that time when we were putting the, together, uh, Leno's show craps out right. on NBC. Yeah. So there's 10 o'clock open on every night of the week that oh, NBC you mean, has oh, the, to the fill. The one they, they did to counterbalance Conan? The way they Before cut Conan. In the, the 10 o'clock primetime show. show before the Tonight what Show. What a fucking clusterfuck that time was on television. What a mess. Huh? Totally. What yeah. a dumb thing to do. You have the Late Show, then you take the old Late Show guy and you put him before the yeah. new guy at 10 o'clock doesn't work out that craps out so they have to fill 10 o'clock yeah. and they come to jerry and they say 10 o'clock could be yours on thursday night well this is this isn't the quiet little sunday show we thought it was going to be but it's pretty tempting it was a big mistake because then all of the marketing and jerry was also didn't want to be front and center of the show right. either right but now it's nbc and their wisdom Seinfeld's return to Thursday nights. Jerry Seinfeld's back. And they start advertising the shit out of it during the Olympics. Right. And they <laughs> just shoving it down people's throats. Right. 
And even when they're, I remember watching like the bobsled <laughs> during the Olympics, <laughs> and they break out and they're like, "Jerry Seinfeld's back." They weren't even showing me in any of the promos. Right. It was all Jerry. It yeah. was all comedy. Yeah. It was they see you'd see my hands at the end of the promo. My wife was furious, <laughs> but thank God because they the critics came after it like, "This isn't Seinfeld Part Two. This is this weird show. Who knows what it is like." They, the critics were pretty rough on it. I, luckily, because the light wasn't on me, I I didn't get beaten up. You swinked away. Yeah, I was just kind of like, okay, yeah, you know. Yeah, but this is, but, yeah. it, but it's a huge. It was a big thing. Jerry didn't like that it was all kind of kind of coming down. He kind of stepped back in the second yeah. season. There's this other executive producer who is a shit show, fighting yeah. with the network. The network hated her and. You know, we first season we went through Jerry's Rolodex yeah. of Madonna and Larry yeah. Dave and all. And now we've got, you know, road comics and stuff doing the show, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is really what it should have been. Sure. It should have just be funny people yeah. talking with these married people. Very funny. Like people crave, married people crave that kind of a sure. thing. They they miss it. Yeah. But it was just a, a shit show. Well, you survived it. Yeah, it was good. And, it you know, look, it was good for me. The exposure was insane. Yeah. But I, I had no control over it. Like, so I you do all right on the road by yourself. Yeah, you know, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I have my good audience. Yeah, it's great. And then you know, you got a few of the specials and stuff you did. And now, what the, the book is uh, mostly essays about? Yeah, what, being a grown up. It's all about. It's about everybody. It's about family. It's about everyone in your life. Yeah. As a comedian, I've been watching. Yeah. Everybody in your life, and uh, it's broken down by mom, dad, brothers, sisters, oh, yeah. fathers, cousins. Uncles. So, so these are actually funny uh, essays bits? all about that. Or there's no, new there's, essays. A, there's a th- new essays mostly. There's it's a called couple. Your Dad Stole My Rake. Your Dad Stole My Rake and yeah. Other Family Dilemmas. That's good. It's my first book. Yeah. Well, congratulations. And tell, Thanks, tell me about like I didn't realize that you were uh, you know uh, in the driver's seat at uh, Live from Here. Yeah. That that is what uh, that's the new name for Prairie Home Companion, which is now. Uh, populated with younger people. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> a new host. Yeah. Garrison has been put out to pasture for reasons. Yeah. Well, he left before the uh, kerfuffle. Oh, before, right. But, but but they changed the name because of that. Oh, did they? And and did they, how's the ratings of that thing? Still good. good? Yeah, they're What's good. What's the name of the new host? Uh, Chris Thiele. Oh, he's a, a, ba- a mandolin, mandolin player. player. Amazing folk artist. Yeah, it seems like it's all a bunch of folky country people. We've had John Prine on. I know. I don't know. I, yeah, I, it sounds great. It's great. The music, it's like a revival. I was about to say, I don't know why I haven't been on it. I realized I'm not a musician of that age. You can come on it as a comic. Yeah. I would love for you to do it. Are you I'm in, in charge? charge of the comedy. What, where's my time? I would love for you to do it. Would I'd you do it? do it? Would you travel to do it? To Minnesota? To Well, it moves around. It's always in a different spot. Yeah, sure. You would? I, yeah, I've got I've got stuff that'll work I would there. love for you to do it. Yeah, I We've had it. great people. Roy Scoville, Colin Quinn. Yeah, well, uh, I'd love to do it. Oh, it's great. Yeah. So I put, we have a comedian has a spot, and then we I'm in charge of the writing. Uh-huh. And you still got some of the old timers there, huh? Doing, yeah. Doing the radio show scripts? The two guys. Well, yeah, I'm uh, in charge of the scripts now. All new characters, though? Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. I, I uh, always loved the show. Yeah, As I it, always listened to it once it was on. If I came upon it, if you stumbled I, right. across it, which is the way it is now. Yeah, yeah, and you just hear. And I was just in awe of that Garrison created this sure. world. Yeah, and but my, I always had this sneaking suspicion, like what would that be like in the hands of comedians? Mm-hmm. Like it's 
funny-ish. It's right. humorous. It's a humorist take on it. But but also he had an arc in his own sort. You know, you know, he had created this world, and you stay within the world. Exactly. And, and the pace was what it was. It was a comfortable pace. It wasn't. Totally. You didn't have to be like, oh, what's he want from me? You know, like you could hear it in the background and be like, oh, this nice music. Totally. Oh, that's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, guy, right. Was it like Guy Noir? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Guy yeah. Noir, yeah. and and he would do the news from Lake Wobegon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so when I got the gig, I was so. You did my radio show at, at Largo, mm-hmm. the Come to Papa show. Yeah. I remember you said, are you doing okay? We always, you always get worried when a guy starts doing, <laughs> starts doing a scripted show. <laughs> on the radio. On the radio. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> and I was kind of like, I, I, and it was funny. Like I was writing scripts. Yeah. I was making, I was doing my version of Prairie Home Companion, but right. with all you guys. Right. Which was so f- funny. Yeah. Everybody was really funny. We'd yeah. have music and stuff, not as good, but we would have funnier stuff. Right. So when Chris approached me through Flanny at Largo, yeah. I was doing exactly what they needed. Uh, for five years, I was writing scripts. Radio Sketches, scripts. radio yeah. scripts. I was, I knew exactly what had to be done. And I would watch Chris in that first season when he was, when Garrison was gone and he's floating out there in these horrible five-minute-long, not funny. Yeah, he's it was it was death. Uh huh. And I came in and I was like, "We're gonna we're gonna make it funny. Let's let's come on. Let's get some. Let's as a comedian, I wasn't writing like Garrison. I had a folksy kind of take to things, but I want laughs. Yeah, I want laughs. And it's a weekly gig for you. It's every week. Yeah, so and you- I do. I appear on it every week. Um, I do this segment called Out in America. Where I re- report from wherever I am, uh-huh. and either I'll record it or I'll go to a public radio station, uh, and sure. or like where they do, do marketplace I, or something. Do and, the ISDN, yeah, yeah while yeah. they're live, sure. Or I'll go and uh, I'll be in Chicago doing it. That's the best way to do it. But I can't get. But do you, I'm gigging, so I can't do it every week. Sure. Do you have a staff of writers? Yeah, there's like four writers that submit stuff. This I took it over in September. The beginning of it was like, I couldn't believe I was standing doing a monologue where Garrison Keillor did Lake Wobegon. Yeah, yeah. It was big for me. Isn't it in Minnesota? Didn't it used to be? Yeah. It yeah. was mainly out of St. Paul. So you don't have to travel? No. If I can get there, I do. And if, But I've got my tour. I've got, yeah. you know, I'm You're doing touring stand-up. Now? Yeah. Really? Yeah. What's the tour? Always touring. Oh. It's never, it's a nonstop. I stop. You do? Yeah. Really? Like a band? Yeah, I mean, I just, I mean, I, I gotta get, well, I gotta get a new hour, you know. Like I did, I did the special last year, and I just did five European dates with about forty, forty-five new, and then some stuff that no one had ever heard before, so it was new to them, but uh-huh. not to me necessarily. I probably should have toured the old, the hour. I didn't do it right, really, in terms of I just didn't want to do it. But like I had that hour that I eventually taped, yeah, and I could have toured it. You know, for another three or four months, like really laid into it before it was released. Uh-huh. But I didn't. But you you won't you won't go out with any of that material while you're while it's already the out stuff? there. Not much. I tried to not do that because it just seemed to be like you know. I, but maybe I'm wrong about that. But I, I I just don't. I just can't. Well, first I can't stop touring. I can't. You know what I mean? Like I like. It's yeah, what I do. Right. But I'm also very conscious of this is these people in Cincinnati's Saturday Night Out, and this is the one time they're going to see me. Uh, I can't just give them an hour of new shit. No, but I mean, I'm not doing new shit that doesn't work. Yeah, but right. But there not there like a slow... Gr- 
evolution of that happening. Like, sure, yeah, you know what like, I mean. Yeah, but like, I like mean, I'll throw in a bit that I'll just throw a bit in to get through the hour. But this time, like, I really felt like this is the first time where I'm doing like you know bigger rooms. I'm selling, you know, I mean, I, I in 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 England, I sold over two thousand tickets, you know, and and like, and I have to assume. That they a lot of them know me from this or that, but they had to have watched a new special. Maybe that's wrong. But do you ever see people after this is the modern day puzzle, by the way. But do you do you ever talk to people after the show? And they wanted to see the bit that they yeah. No, yeah, I get that. And maybe I'll learn my lesson. But they but it really becomes sort of a challenge for me that like like knowing that possibly, you know, that they, they will have seen it. It's like I don't, I, it kills it a little bit. I know, me. it does. But I could watch you do jokes that I know really well, right? And enjoy it, yeah. No, I and know. if I can, then the secretary in yeah. Peoria is going to be into it too. Yeah, I guess maybe I'll learn my lesson. But I did it in Europe, but I definitely yeah. gave them like I didn't do with the Rolling Stones, but I didn't I didn't do these big bits that I was been doing. Yeah, but I, I brought back a couple of bits that no one had seen because I'd only done them on TV once or twice. Right, that were long bits that I worked months on. Yeah, and uh, and like a couple really old ones that you know you really had to you know dig deep to find them yeah but but they were great bits and then i did like 40 minutes of uh, totally new shit and then i riffed it's but great that's, yeah but, but it's like you know but you're right i might have disappointed some people i don't know <laughs> i wasn't saying that oh. <laughs> <laughs> but i do feel like uh i don't know it's a real it's we're definitely i'm sure you've talked about this a lot but there are a lot of bad specials out right now uh-huh. There are a lot of people rushing material out because they think that they have to do all new stuff all the time, and you know. But I'm not going to do when, that. No, I'm not saying you are. No, I know. But uh, but there. But I find it for myself. I'm always going between this thing of am I being lazy because I just want to kill this night, this yeah. Saturday night? Yeah. Should I be pushing it so like it's all got to be new? But even I mean. Well, that's I'm the, not that good enough. No, but, <laughs> to, the, but to put out completely new stuff all the time. I know, but that's like, but also it's a difference in how you and I work. Like, like I was telling you, like you know, like when I start to build material, I can't do it bit by bit. Right, it's got to start to take shape as a whole. Right. So like that's like I was telling you, like I'll go do hours, you know, do a residency at Steve Allen, or start working out, you know, hours here in town. Yeah. Or go to smaller clubs. You're thinking you know, of it as this. Well, yeah, hour sort of like thing, it's got to be a, an, a through line to it. Hour, like I'll start out like just fucking, I, I don't like, this is the difference between writing like Seinfeld and writing like me. Yeah. Is that I'm talking through things. Right. So I'll sell a cheap ticket to my fans and say like, you know, don't expect much. I'm I'm processing yeah. and I'll have them sit there for an hour and a half, two hours to start to find my way right. through this m- bunch of shit. That's a valuable thing. I'm just so nervous about, uh, you know, as a comic, like a joke can sometimes get really good four years in. <laughs> no, I agree. Like that's right? why that's why I was doing. And I feel like, a... like people are rushing shit, and you're not one of these. I'm not saying this about you. No, but like that's what I was telling you about Conan is that I could go in with half of it, right? And then like you know, eventually it's sort of like a tag comes <laughs> a year or two later, and you're yeah. like, all right, so what? No one saw it on Conan. Now it's a full joke. So do you feel <laughs> do you feel a need like do, do you have uh do you feel pressured to put out more specials now no, because I of don't the time. When it's ready, it's I, ready. When you, well, yeah, I mean, I want, like, I want to do one, and it's nice to know because it kind of puts a fire under your ass. But right. like, what do I care? Like, you know, it's hard to get people to watch it. You're just gonna be one in a million specials. I'd rather and it I, be good. Yeah, like the last one I did was there was an evolution. I think is the best one I've ever done. Yeah, I've done you know 
two for Netflix and one for Epics, and this is clearly in a direction where I have a lot more control. And I'm, yeah. you know, but like I can't rush the material. I don't know where it comes from or why. That's my thing. And that, right, that, and, that that's the essence. Of yeah. It. And right now I'm like I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. I didn't like when I took these dates dates in Europe. I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do? And right. then like <laughs> all of a sudden stuff started to you know yeah to happen you know and and now like I've been away from it for two weeks and I and I don't know if it's and gone it's forever. Gone. <laughs> right <laughs> now it's totally lost. <laughs> But I do feel like that that's that's important because I do feel like and it's hard because there is pressure to have new content and stuff. But it's just also for me, it's just sort of like you want the opportunities. It's like I like it's not even like I feel like I got to get content out there. It's just sort of like, you know, well, Netflix will probably do another one with you. I'm like, really? Oh, shit. So how much are you going to pay me money? Yeah. 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 And then you're like, all right. I, you know, whether it's out there or not, whatever. I don't know. Yeah. You know, like people are, you know, at this point, I'm sort of like, well, you know, if they don't stick with me, whatever. I can't be, because like that desperation, you talk about being alleviated. Yeah. Once you find some success for yourself. I mean, you can find it again. It's like, should I be tweeting more? Should I be on Facebook? I don't even use Facebook. Is Instagram important? <laughs> yeah. When can I get another special? Because I don't want people to forget that I exist. You know, I'm on this every day. Are people still listening to this? I don't know if there was. Any. So like, yeah. you're going to find another place for the desperation and act sure. that way. So like, you know, I no. want to try to, fi- I want to try and stay in though. Like, I don't really give a fuck, yeah. Yeah, but but I still want to work, you know? I always work from fear, 100% from fear right, right. and panic, Yeah, which is good. But I, I, I guess. But I but I feel like uh uh when people ask like so when's the next hour? When's the next hour? And Ugh. everywhere you go, every every comic I'm just working on my next hour, I'm just working on my next hour. It's like how about you just work on your act? Right. And when the act is great, yeah, then you'll do a special. No, this, I, that's I, the way I really think. Yeah. And, you know, and I've been fortunate in that it, it has revealed itself to me. Right. You know, fairly consistently. Yes. You know, like I've churned through a lot of shit. Right. But then I started to realize that there's some shit that I let die that I'm like, why am I not doing that? Like, like uh, one of the things yeah. I brought out in Europe was like, I did this bit that took me six months to fucking make it. Yeah. And it's great. It's like, it's a long bit and it's like, it's just got a beautiful arc to it. And it was right when I started doing longer form stuff yeah. that had structure. And I did it once on like the John Oliver comedy thing. Uh-huh. And then I'm like, got to retire that now. And like- <laughs> No. Like, what am I? No one even saw that fucking thing. No. So, like, so like I go to Europe and I'm like, I'm putting that thing back together. <laughs> Good. Yeah, and that's I did. great. It's a great bit. That's great. No, I know. You know, and th- there is that kind of. It's almost. Uh, I always feel like, who do you think you are, Papa? That you think everyone in this room has seen. That's that the bit. other thing. The, like yeah, when, when <laughs> yeah. no one knew who I was, it's like, no, no, no. I've already done that on TV. It's like. <laughs> So what? Right, like, exactly. You, no one cares. You know how many people are out there? I know now, especially. Billions. Yeah. Watching this stuff. It's like, yeah. they should see your stuff. And also, after you've been around for a while, you don't know what the hell they know you from or why they're there. No. Or whether they get Netflix or anything. No, exactly. And, and exactly. I, you know, that's the other argument. It's like, I think there's an argument to mix it up. I think you should always show up with at least 20, 30 new. Absolutely. Right? No, you should not be late. The the, the era of just riding out your act for the, your yeah. career is no. long gone. Yeah. And as, uh, you know, we, we couldn't do it. You, no. you, I, up, I don't have that. I, I, I feel bad. I can't, no. I can't sell it. Oh, no, you can't fake it that much. All right, buddy. This was really nice, Mark. It was great. Great talking to you. You too. And congratulations, son. I think that's an interesting and fun show, that live from here, and I hope the book does well. Thank you. Good to see you, man. You too. That was great. I, I loved uh, getting to know Tom after knowing him for 15, 20 years. I'm going to try to play some guitar in the new garage. Oh, yeah. Hear that? Hear that little... That little... That's, that's the sound 
of time travel. You hear that buzz? Hear that? That is the sound of like 1957. A through line, a tapped in frequency, a tube hum from an old fender. And that is uh, straight in Gibson 335 Humbuckers. Yeah. Kinda in tune, right? Kinda. 